Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to episode 19 of Crime Time for Friday, June 8th on FayObserver.com. Featuring Fayetteville Observer Police and Crime Reporter Nancy McCleary, I'm Sonny Jones. On the podcast, we'll look at issues involving crime, courts, and public safety, highlighting stories in the news. And a reminder, anyone we discussed who has been charged with a crime is presumed innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Well, let's get started, Nancy. The North Carolina Supreme Court on Friday, June 8th, upheld the death sentence and conviction of Mario Andretti McNeil for the September 2009 murder of five-year-old Shania Davis of Fayetteville. It was a case that drew nationwide attention, a case of human trafficking involving the mother, a massive search for the little girl, murder, and testimony during trials that left you to wonder how could this happen. Shania's mother, Antoinette Nicole Davis, told the police she gave Shania to McNeil to satisfy a $200 debt. There was evidence that Shania was sexually assaulted before she was asphyxiated and her body was dumped in the woods out in the country. McNeil was arrested while Shania was missing and told lawyers Alan Rogers and Coy Brewer where to look for Shania. Rogers and Brewer then told law enforcement, which had been conducting an extensive search for her. McNeil's appellate lawyers told the Supreme Court last year that McNeil deserved a new trial for a number of reasons. A key factor, they contended, was their allegation that McNeil's original legal team violated attorney-client privilege, a law that requires lawyers to keep secret what their clients say. However, the Supreme Court, in a 100-page ruling, said McNeil wanted to convey the information to law enforcement, so there was no violation of attorney-client privilege. The court overruled nearly every issue that McNeil's lawyers raised. McNeil was sentenced to death. Davis, the mom, is serving a sentence on a variety of charges. She is projected to get out of prison in 2029. Now, Nancy, we were both here during that time, we certainly remember it. It was a case that, that to this day still shakes you when you think about it. It does. Um, I remember hearing the morning that the missing child call went out over the police scanner. And I remember um, the day her body was found, it was, um, I, I was up there that day when they found her. And it was, um, it was a massive number of people who came out to help search for her and um they announced shortly into the search that they had found her body and they were crying these people who had volunteered to search were crying at the news and it's it's just a case you don't forget and i won't no certain certainly not her body best i remember was just out in the field it was um, it was off the side of a road at a place where they had dumped deer carcasses. That's right. Yeah, and as I recall, um, it was a um, canine team from Jamaica had come up here to 
do some training and they had their dogs out um in that area and they actually i was told they were the ones who found the bodies so. uh, it, it was truly a, a sad story it certainly caught the attention of everyone not just in Fayetteville in the cape fear region but across the nation and it was just a it's, it's hard to believe for those of you and and i'm sure many of you have that saw it in the paper the picture of shania and and that little i mean you're talking about looking like an angel in that little dress and then to know the the story behind it and everything i mean it is truly just just heart rendering it heart heart breaking it, it's a sad story well nancy we've been in this business a very long time you particularly <laughs> a very long time <laughs> actually i'm i'm older than you so so what does that yeah. say about me and you reach a point in your career where you believe, well, I've seen it all, I've heard it all. What else could there be? Well, maybe not. Uh, our first story on our second story on episode 19 of Crime Time is a first for me. Someone tried to break into the police department. You heard that correctly. The man tried to break into, not escape from, the police <laughs> department. What in the world now? Well, this was um, about 1.23 a.m. on Wednesday, June 6th, when Fayetteville police found Ron Christopher Goins had used a landscaping decorative type of rock to try and break the glass in the doors at the front entrance of the police department on Hay Street. Sergeant Sean Strepe said entrance doors are locked at 9 each night, but there is an intercom system in place so people outside can reach department members who are inside however goins opted for a more direct approach (laughs) instead of using the intercom he used a rock to bash the doors okay well as a true journalist i'll ask the obvious question uh why good question that's why i make the big money (laughs) strepe says uh that no one knows goins had been to the department earlier in the evening and was asking for officers he wanted officers to provide him with personal protection i guess in his journey through the night and of course they they don't do that unless you're really really important um yeah i know yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh the uh the, the charges against goins well, he was charged with attempted breaking and entering and being intoxicated and disruptive, which being intoxicated might be a reason why this yes. happened. <laughs> intoxicated? Intoxicated, <laughs> really? yeah. Okay, well, that that was a strange story yeah. indeed. We normally don't talk about, I guess, misdemeanors, but that one, uh, that was, uh, you don't see many people trying to throw a rock into the police department uh, no, you don't. to get in. So that was a first, I guess, for both of us. Yep. Our next story, actions by an alert pizza store manager averted potentially some very serious problems for customers. The manager at Primo Pizza on Rayford Road noticed black pellets and shredded cheese on June 1st. What were they, you say? Rat poison. Fortunately, the cheese was not used in any products, nor was it served to any customers, according to restaurant owner John Garafo. Ricky Lee Adamy of Fayetteville was charged with distributing food containing noxious or deleterious material. I would have to get a dictionary to look up deleterious. Nothing worse than taking a bite of something deleterious. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I guess that yeah, it's probably uh, not good. Anyway, what about Mister? Um, at any rate, Adami? Um, Mister Ad- Adami, his bail was set at one hundred thousand dollars when he was arrested on Wednesday, June the sixth. But that was increased to $500,000 on Thursday, June the 7th. District Attorney Billy West said during the bond hearing that Adami is very dangerous, quote, end quote, and had threatened to shoot co-workers. Now, a store manager saw the black pellets and the shredded cheese. How was it determined that Adami was the one who is allegedly responsible for the act? Well, the restaurant owner, Mr. Giraffo, said he reviewed business surveillance video and it showed Adami taking something out of his pants pocket and sprinkling sprinkling it into the grated cheese because he was operating the cheese grater. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, do you know what what might have been the motive? I know Billy West mentioned that Adami once threatened to shoot his co-workers, but uh, did he want the the to see the business shut down was he a, a, a disgruntled employee does anybody know? Well, no, not according to Mr. Drafo, I, I know I'm butchering his name, and I apologize for that, but he was dependable and did his job. But Mr. Drafo said he noticed that Adami was not looking well and acting a bit strangely on the day that this incident occurred. Mr. Drafo doesn't know what happened to set Adami off. And Adam, Adami said during the um, first appearance hearing on Thursday that it was a, quote, isolated incident and that he had never harmed anybody. He does have one felony conviction in 1989 involving the burning of a building in Randolph County. And according to arrest documents, Adami told a magistrate judge that he was on methadone at the time of the Prima Pizza incident. Uh, methadone is a drug that is used to help wean addicts off heroin and morphine. And the court documents also noted that Adami said he was a, quote, prior heroin addict. Well, now let's, let's talk a little bit about the restaurant, Primo Pizza. Certainly not good publicity, its status. Well, the store on Rayford Road was closed for a couple of days, but it was given a clean bill of health by the Cumberland County Health Department, on Thursday, June 7th, the agency inspected the restaurant, and Mr. Giraffo said the cheese and any other food containers that were open at the time this incident happened were thrown out. I'm so glad that certainly no one ate the rat poison. Good to see Primo Pizza back in business. So let's go out and get Head some pizza. Out. What let's do you get say? Some pizza, yeah. All right. Our next story, looking back on a story from past years, the former co owner of the Haven Friends for Life Animal Shelter was charged with 184 counts of second and third degree exploitation of a minor on Wednesday, June 6th. That is in addition to the 114 child pornography offenses brought against 71-year-old Stephen Spear in 2017. Yes, Mr. Spear initially was charged last year after Hope County Sheriff's Office detectives found graphic pictures of children under the age of 16 having sex with adults and with animals. Well, these news charges this week, is, is that tied to the investigation from 2017 when, when Spear was charged? Have detectives found uh, more evidence and led to these more recent charges? Well, actually, this goes back to 2015 
When the sheriff's, Hope County Sheriff's Office and state officials began looking into complaints of animal cruelty and neglect at the Haven, um, and as part of the investigation, I've been told, they seized computers and records from the couple's home, and that's where they found the pornographic material. And, of course, who can forget those heartbreaking images from January 2016, I believe it was, when the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals removed 697 dogs, cats, and other animals from the Haven Friends for Life Animal Shelter. Spear and his wife, Lyndon Spear, were charged with 17 counts of animal cruelty and three counts of possession of a controlled substance, which stemmed from a medication um, that was found on the property that was not authorized. Now, as far as the animal cruelty case, uh, what's the status there? Because I know that certainly drew a lot of attention, and I know you're a big uh, animal person. Uh, in any update on, on the animal cruelty case? It's still pending. The wheels of justice, um, they don't go real fast. No, sometimes they certainly do not. We'll try to keep you up to date on both of those cases involving uh, Mr. Spear. Well, Vanessa Ariano Sanchez will serve no more than five years and five months behind bars for her role in her 18-month-old daughter's death in Fayetteville in 2015. That was the decision handed down Tuesday, June 5th in Cumberland County, Superior Court. Sanchez pleaded guilty in 2016 to accessory after the fact to murder in exchange for her testimony against her former fiancé, Andrew Tyler Tomzak. Tomzak took a plea bargain and pleaded guilty to second-degree murder in March for the death of Violet Sky Cortez. He is serving a sentence of 10 years, a sentence that will go from 10 years to four months to a maximum of 13 years and five months. Now, Tom Zach's lawyer, Robert Buzzard, and his mother told the observers, Paul Wolverton, that Tom Zach took the deal because he wanted to avoid the risk of a death sentence in a capital murder trial. They contend that Sanchez is the real killer. It's been a while since the death of 18-month-old Violet Sky Cortez. Give us a refresher about this case, Nancy. Well, according to statements in court, Sanchez was from Texas and became pregnant with Sky when she was 17. Her relationship with Sky's 19-year-old father was troubled, so she moved to Fayetteville to stay with her older sister. And once she arrived in Fayetteville, she met Tom Zack and began dating him, and they became engaged. Now, Tom Zack was described as a drug abuser and a drug dealer. As for the day that little Sky's body was found, what happened there? Well, Sanchez called 911 on January 29th, 2015, because um, Sky was unresponsive. Assistant District Attorney Robbie Hicks told the court, When rescue workers arrived, they noticed a strong odor of cleaning fluids. Investigators found evidence that someone had cleaned up blood. A towel with blood on it had DNA from Sky and from Tom Zack, Hicks told the court. In addition to the head wounds mentioned there, Sky's autopsy found bruises that suggested a sexual assault. A couple of sad children, or sad stories involving children's cases with this one and Shania Davis. Well, let's look at the crime blotter now, Nancy, as we wrap things up here on this edition of Crime Time. An arrest has been made in a cold case sexual assault, Fayetteville police say. Mark Uriah Spragans of Fayetteville is charged with statutory rape and taking indecent liberties with a child. The alleged incident happened in October 2006. 
The victim, whose family was acquainted with Spragans, was 13. Spragans was arrested after authorities discovered in 2015 that the rape kit from the case had not been tested, police say. The kit was tested through the National Sexual Assault Kit Initiative grant that the department received in 2016. And, you know, memory serves me correct, they have quite the backlog there, and, and it's good to see that, I guess, steps are being taken to process those kits. Meanwhile, Fayetteville police say a man wanted in a May 15th double shooting in the Stewart's Creek apartment complex has been arrested in New York. U.S. Marshals arrested Donovan, Levon, Boomer, and Huntington Station, New York. In the May 15th incident, the two victims were found inside the apartment with gunshot wounds. Giovanni Griffin died at the hospital, and a 25-year-old woman was wounded. When Boomer is returned to North Carolina, he will be charged with first-degree murder, attempted first-degree murder, assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill inflicting serious injury, and first-degree burglary. He also faces murder charges in New York. So do you want me to say it? They lowered the Boomer on him? Next on the crime blotter, deputies with the Harney County Sheriff's Office have charged two suspects saying they were involved in a six-week crime spree. Did you read about this one? The Sheriff's Office listed 171 offenses for Christopher Joseph Ibera of Coates and Charles Edward McGinty of Lillington. The crime spree between uh, April 11th and May 31st included convenience stores in Bun Level and Lillington, a gas station in Cameron, a self-storage facility in Lillington, a seafood retailer in Cameron, and auto mechanic shops in Bun Level and Spring Lake, according to the Harnett County Sheriff's Office. And then we have the registered sex offender who was arrested this week after he was found on the campus of Westover Middle School, according to arrest documents in the Cumberland County Magistrate's Office. Mark Anthony Andrew Adams of High Point was charged with violating the sex offender registry guidelines by going onto a protected premises. The documents did not say why Adams was at the school. He was convicted in Robinson County in March 2013 of sexual battery and was then required to register as a sex offender, documents said. And one thing that was interesting, um, the documents said that Mr. Adams um, went and read all the requirements um, of the sex offender registry and initialed the paragraph that says you don't go anywhere where (laughs) there are children um you know including schools yeah Yeah, there's a pretty good chance children are going to be at school Uh, yeah yeah and um and apparently an uh an assistant principal who recognized him well, good for um yeah he he called he recognized him as a sex offender and called the school resource officer and mr adams was arrested well we'll see how that turns out very interesting crime time some some interesting stories and, and some very sad stories as well that's it for episode 19 of crime time for friday june 8th we welcome your comments and suggestions you can reach me, Nancy McCleary, by email at nmccleary, that's N-M-C-C-L-E-A-R-Y, at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at F-O underscore McCleary. And it's two C's or you won't get it for McCleary. You betcha. 
<laughs> you can reach me, Sonny Jones, by email at sjones at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at F-O Sonny Jones. No underscore for me. Uh, can I say one thing? No. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's just if you guys are out there listening, and give us some feedback. Of, yes, please Give us do. some feedback, please, and let us know, um, you know, what we can do to liven this up even though some subjects yes. aren't, you know, they're not to be livened up. But we would love to have feedback from, from anybody who's listening uh, just so we could do something that you guys want to hear. Yeah, very well very well put. We, we are certainly open to suggestions, and, and what would you like to see us uh, um, cover more and, and how, how, the, how this show should continue to develop. We're only in week 19, so good thought. Again, Nancy, thanks a lot, and thanks those out there for listening. Hope you'll tune in next time for the next edition of Crime Time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.